This is the daily lectionary comments for August the 4th. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 10. Um, the relationship, the complicated relationship between Saul and David gets even more complicated. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 27. This, the ship finally runs aground. Uh, everybody survives, but only barely. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 10. Let's talk about Saul. This whole chapter is about this complicated relationship between Saul and David. And it's mostly about Saul's issues. There, there's three things that we, we see about Saul in this passage, but we're also going to see these things uh, interwe interwoven between themselves throughout the remainder of Saul's life. And that is, Saul is jealous of David. Saul is suspicious of David. And thirdly, Saul is becoming increasingly unhinged. And we see uh, all of that going on right here. He's, he's jealous of David because the people like David more than Saul. He also uh, suspects that God likes David more than Saul. And on that, he has... Uh, you know, we happen to know that, yeah, that, that is the case. God has withdrawn from Saul, has rejected him as the future king, and has chosen David as the future king, although Saul does not know that yet. But he is suspicious. Now, whether he's suspicious that God himself has already anointed David king, or whether he's just suspicious that God has withdrawn from him, and somebody like David is exactly the kind of guy uh, that could replace me, and the more the Lord seems to be smiling on him, the more suspicious Saul gets. Well, okay, we'll think of Herod killing the, uh, the, uh, the infants in Bethlehem, uh, the kinds of things that a king who is suspicious uh, for, uh, about rivals, potential rivals, can, can do very desperate things. So Saul is jealous of David. Saul is suspicious of David. And then the third thing is Saul is clearly becoming mentally unstable. We see this in that, um, you know, he gets into these dark moods and, and David plays music for him and that, and that soothes him. But then all of a sudden he'll throw a spear at, at David, you know, in a fit of rage. Um, we, we will see this going forward that Saul is going to continue to degenerate more and more into a kind of, of madness. I mean, he, he will never become just completely insane, but he will go back and forth between professing, you know, he'll be trying to kill David and be chasing David and trying to kill David one minute. And then the next minute, he's so very, very sorry. And, and he embraces David and, and receives him again. And then the very next minute, he's trying to kill him again. And we will see this over and over again, Saul's vacillations and his instability. And it, it's a very sad, it's a very sad thing. And it's one of the things that makes Saul so, so tragic. Um, the other thing we have here in this, uh, in this reading is, is Saul's efforts to bring David into his own household. He's going to give him uh, a, one of his daughters in marriage. In part, this is a, an example of, you know, if you're in power, keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. So uh, Saul wants to bring David into his own family to keep him nice and close and where he might be able to have a little bit more control uh, and, and, uh, and protection. Uh, but the other thing is, is a very cynical idea that D David's not a rich man. 
He's not a rich and a powerful man. And if you're going to be married to the king's daughter, um, you know, that requires that you, you, you put up uh, quite a, uh, a handsome bride price, and he didn't have it. And Saul knows this. And so he uses this as an opportunity, essentially, to send David out on a very dangerous mission um, to re- return 100 foreskins. The, the, the idea of the foreskins is, is an insult to the Philistines, who being uh, uncircumcised to the Israelites meant that they were basically barbarians. And so uh, after you kill them, you, you don't scalp them like the enemies did, take their foreskins, and that's what they deserve, uh, the, these barbarians. But at any rate, it's the idea of sending David out on this mission uh, that is, uh, Saul has the idea that perhaps he'll get killed in doing this. And that would be fine because I don't want his blood on my hands. And of course, this is a, a horrible thing uh, to do, but it, it fits with Saul's suspicious nature that he wants to get rid of David this way. You know, it's uh, interesting that David himself will employ a very similar tactic with somebody he wants to get rid of. Um, that's for many, many days down the line, but that's Uriah the Hittite. Um, Bathsheba's uh, husband, whom David will send on a dangerous mission in order to make sure he dies in battle. A uh, very similar idea. One, one wonders whether he got the idea for it, at least in part, here. All right, Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse 27. Um, we're finally going to make landfall. It's not going to be pretty. It's a very dangerous and desperate situation. Uh, and and not a whole lot that's going to happen in this little passage of great theological interest. However, uh, it is uh, exciting for sure. So we have this this uh, ship that has been tossed to and fro, still in the midst of a violent storm, and it's it's nighttime, and the sailors on the ship begin to perceive that possibly they're getting near land. They may have heard breakers or or some, some other evidence that land might be nearby. They begin taking soundings to see how deep the water is. And when they realize that as they're being driven along, it's getting shallower and shallower, they realize that probably they are getting close to land. Well, this is not good in the middle of the night. Um, it's going to be hard enough to get that ship ashore in a storm, even if you can see clearly in the middle of the day, um, as we'll see in a moment, but at night it, it would be uh, uh, nearly impossible so they, they begin praying for, uh, for uh, the daytime to come. Now, while they're waiting for the daytime to come, uh, a little plot uh, develops. The sailors on the ship decide that they're going to use the little dinghy that had been brought up. Uh, normally, it was dragged behind the boat, but when the storm started, they drew it up onto the boat and tied it there. They were going to use this dinghy, and the sailors were going to get off the ship and sail away, leaving the soldiers, the centurion and the soldiers that were in charge of the prisoners on the boat alone. Now, if this happened, of course, the sailors may or may not survive, but the people on that boat surely are not going to survive. They have no way of, of controlling this craft and in, in any hope of landing it on the, on the, on the shore is zero. And we don't know uh, how he found out for sure, uh, Paul may have been putting two and two together. He may have been tipped off at any rate, realizing what's about to happen. He tips off the centurions, or the centurion, excuse me, uh, the lead soldier, what the sailors are planning on doing. And the centurion, of course, with his sword, is able to put it into that right away so the sailors stay on board. Of course, we remember earlier that Paul had said that God will not permit any of you to perish 
The ship will be lost, the cargo will be lost, but not a hair on any of your head will perish. So that was an interesting thing. They tried to escape, uh, and that would have thwarted uh, what, what Paul had said was going to happen. Now then, uh, daytime comes, and, and they try, they see a, a bay, they, they try to uh, make a desperate run for the bay, hoping that the wind will drive them in, but they just can't control this ship very well. Uh, and and uh, they run into a reef instead. The ship becomes stuck, and as it's stuck, it begins to break apart. At this point, we are told that uh, that the soldiers themselves uh, prepare to kill the prisoners. Now, the reason why they were doing that is that was standard practice uh, in 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 the uh, in the Roman world. If, uh, if if soldiers had charge of prisoners, uh, and you were on a boat, and that boat was going down, uh, you made sure that these the the uh, the prisoners went down with it. If a jail was broken into, you make sure that the prisoners do not escape because you will pay with your own life if you do. So the, the soldiers are going to dispatch all of the prisoners because they can't control them. Uh, now that the ship is breaking apart, they're all going to escape. Of course, this would mean that Paul would be killed also. And we are told that the centurion put an end to that, uh, apparently trusting Paul and trusting that the prisoners would not run. And uh, so anyway, the ship breaks apart and all the men managed to make it to the shore of what, at this point, we don't know where they are at. We'll find out shortly. But uh, they, they make it to the shore, uh, you know, one floating on this piece, one floating on that piece. Uh, but the, the, the text makes it very clear. Each of the men, as Paul had promised, made it to shore alive. And we'll learn more about where they are and what happens next in tomorrow's devotion.